Turn to John chapter 17. John chapter 17 tonight. We're looking at session 9. And uh, we are, John 17 is the last, really the last meeting um, when the, the disciples were with Jesus and they were in the upper room. And it was, it was during this time that, uh, that Jesus decides to have a prayer and uh, that prayer is recorded in chapter 17 of the book of John. So that tonight I want us to be able to look at that. I titled this, A Prayer of Unity and Purpose. I really struggled with, with the title for this because it's, there's so much here. But um, I started to say the final prayer, but it really wasn't the final prayer because there were other prayers not long, not this lengthy, uh, after this, but this was the final prayer that Jesus had with his disciples. So if you, can, if you can think, all this time that these guys have been together for this last three years, Jesus has them together this one last time to be able to have prayer. What do you pray for? If you're Jesus and and your earthly ministry, see, he knew that his earthly ministry was about to be over. And even though he had told the disciples that it was about to be over, his earth, the earthly ministry part, uh, what do you pray? So, I think maybe you've got a copy of the outline. Uh, if you don't, we can get you one. There's one outside. But there's three points that I want to be able to make tonight. Number one, We'll see in verses 1 through 5, we're going to see where Jesus prays for his work to be finalized. And number 2, Jesus prays, we're going to see where Jesus prays for his disciples and their purpose. In verse 6 through 19. And then number 3, Jesus prays for all believers and purpose of the church. Now that's exciting to me because... Say what you want, Jesus prayed for me that night. And it's right there, right there in uh, verse, uh, verses 20 through 26. He prayed for me, he prayed for you. So he, he prays for all believers. So all the way through this, you see it's a prayer of, of unity, which is, which is for, for the church to be one. We'll discuss that just a little bit. And then there's the prayer for purpose. So what is our purpose? What is our purpose as a, as a church? And why should we be unified in that purpose? So that's, let's look at the prayer real quick. And uh, we're looking at verse 1. Section 1 here. Jesus prays for his work to be finalized. Jesus spoke these things. And he looked up to heaven. So these things being everything that would have happened Prior to this, the upper room discourse where Jesus, I mean, there, you can go back and you can, you can read this. There's, there's a lot to it that was going on. There's the vine and the branches and, and the way to the Father. So all this, after he spoke all these things, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. Since you gave him authority over all people and so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. 
So he's, he's speaking of himself here. And that verse 2 again says, And since you have given him authority, in other words, since you've given me authority over all the people, or over all people, so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. Um, so God the Father himself has, has given Christ uh, believers. Now, Brother Sam is going to come and he's going to explain the difference between the Arminian belief and the Calvin belief. We, we talked about that the other night in great detail. But uh, this verse 2, I, do wanna, I don't want to get too deep into that, but I do feel like that we need to kind of touch on that. And since, uh, since I fall somewhere in between the two, I sent Brother Sam, was it Monday night or Tuesday night? I sent him a quiz. And I, it, was a, it was a quiz. It was like 20 questions that you answered and, and to see if you fell into whether you were an Arminianist or you were a Calvinist. And uh, I don't even think he took it. But now I took it. Did you take it? You haven't taken it yet. So my, 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 <laughs> my quiz came back, or my, my test results came back, and I was right dead in the middle of both of them. I figure he's probably right dead in the middle of both of them uh, because our, our, our beliefs kind of align on that. And that, what I'm talking about is, is with election, where God, some people will say that God uh, calls uh, certain ones and they're, they're going to be saved. I, I don't want to get into a fight about this. It's not, not even worth fighting. But I, I, I do want to just say what, J. Vernon McGee, because I, I think a lot of times what we do is we get, we get so far into one side, so extreme into one side that we can't see anything of the other side. And then the other side that, that has the side of free will that, you know, there's, there's no election, there's no, there's no God calling. There, you know. So you've got those two sides. Somewhere in the middle is where the answer is. And at least that's that's my view on it and not only my view but it's also j vernon mcgee's view and he uh he really said what i was trying to what i was trying to say he said it a little clearer than than that so just listen to what j vernon mcgee says about that it says the church is god's gift to jesus christ and he gives eternal life to as many as thou hast given him this brings up the question of election and free will, and I do, I do not want to go into that extensively. There are extreme Calvinists and there are extreme Arminians, and the truth is probably somewhere between the two. And this is what I really liked about what he said. If God would somehow reveal to me who there are the elect ones, I would give the gospel only to them. But God does not do this. He has said that whosoever will may come. That is a legitimate offer to every person. You have no excuse to offer at, at all if you will not come to him. Uh, it will be your condemnation that you turn down the offer and, uh, that God has made to you. So I like how he said that. It, you know, um, somewhere, somewhere between the, th the two thought processes, is in my opinion what is what is right in that uh, because you there's there's no doubt the 
the teaching of election that's in there, but there's no doubt also the teaching of free will where, where man has responsibility to believe. And uh, so that's where we're going to leave. That's where we're going to leave that tonight. Unless Brother Sammy has something very deep, insightful that you want to share. <laughs> okay. Verse 3. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God. So what's eternal life? That they may know God. And the one that you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Now what's the work that Jesus came to do? Huh? Salvation? Okay. Anybody else? A work that Jesus came to do? Yeah, seeking to save those who are lost. Um, yep, absolutely. Right. And that, it says this here. It, it says that this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. So you, you really have a lot... Well, you got a good bit of the Holy Trinity right here. <laughs> but I, I like what Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 through 14 says about this. It's about what God's work was or what Jesus' work was on the earth. Verse 8 says, Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy, philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. In other words, don't get wrapped around the axles about what some man tells you. He says in verse 9, For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. And you have been filled by Him, who is the head over every ruler and authority. You were also circumcised in with, with Him, with the circumcision not done with hands, by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ. In other words, where he's getting at there, he says that in the, in the past, there was circumcision. That's what set you apart. That's what made you, that was one of the things that made you a, a child of God or a believer in God or a, uh, one of God's own was that you were circumcised. The males were circumcised. And that was, that was, one, of the, that was one of the rituals that the Jewish people did. But he says, but you're circumcised, but you're not circumcised naturally. It says your circumcision, uh, verse 11 again, it says, you were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done by hands, by putting off of the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ. And when you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith and the working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you were dead in trespasses. And in the circumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. Uh, he erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. So 
That's good. That is, that is good stuff. And you go, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but you can, where this is talking about the circumcision, you can go into the book of Romans, and I didn't want to go there because they usually get stuck in Romans and don't want to leave. But it's, it's, Romans, Paul talks about the circumcision of the heart. And, and, and it's, it's about the cutting away. It's about the, the removal of... In the, in the Old Testament, it was the flesh, but it's about the removal of us. It's about, it's about uh, as John said, it's about me decreasing and God increasing. So, verse, that was verse 4, and verse 5 says, Now the Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory that I had with you before the world existed. Wow. So how long has Jesus been around? Long time, hadn't it? Look back at that. He says that before the world existed, Jesus always been. He was this holy Trinity has always has been. Jesus has always been there. Now, number two, that's section one where Jesus prays for His work to be finalized. This is right before Jesus is carried to the cross. This is the night of that. That's what's going on here. So, he not only prays for himself, but he also prays for his disciples and their purpose. Verse 6, I have revealed your name to the people that you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. And he's still praying here. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. Because I have given them the words you gave me. They have received them and have known for certain that I came from you. They have believed that you sent me. That is the, that is the sign that they are part of him. is because they believe in who was sent, which was Jesus Christ. So they believe, they have believed that you sent me. In verse 9, he says, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me because they are yours. Everything I have is yours, and everything you have is mine, and I'm glorified with them. In, in all of this that Jesus is praying, you can see he keeps going back and forth. He says, what I, what I am, you are. What I have, you have. What you gave was, was, part, of, was part of us from the beginning. This was... We, and you see how this unity, you see there's, there's a oneness in what Jesus is, is praying for. He's praying, he's praying for all, this is, this is a build up into what's going, going to happen here. Verse 10 says, everything I have is yours and everything you have is mine and I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. Now, if you're a disciple, I might have said, stop right there in just a minute and explain what you're talking about right there. What are you saying, Jesus? He says, I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. 
While I was with them, I was protecting them by your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them is lost except the son of destruction, so that the scripture may be fulfilled. And we know that as Judas. Verse 13, Now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy completed in them. I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. He keeps saying that. He keeps going back and making the distinction here that there's, they're not of the world. They're not of the world system. And then we, we, later on we find out from First uh, John uh, where John starts talking about, and he, and he writes down, in that letter about the world system, and that's, that's what he's talking about here. He, he said, they're not of that world system. And he said, as I wasn't part of the world system. But he says that, uh, he says, to protect them. So he's praying, he's praying for the protection. So we're maybe halfway through this prayer. If you're a disciple, what's going through your mind right now? I mean, you're listening to Jesus pray. What's, you ever, Terry, you listen to people when they're praying? You listen to their prayers? I do too, I mean, it's, so, so if, you're, if you're a disciple at this point, what are you thinking? Yeah. That's part of it, isn't it? Huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, he's been saying this for quite a while, and they still haven't picked up on that. Frida, that's what I would be thinking. I would be thinking that. I mean, that too, Terry. I hadn't thought about that. That's a good point. But what's, <laughs> what's, going, what's about to happen here? I mean, has he said something and I haven't picked up on it? Even though he has said, he has told them that he was going to die and, and then come back. He, he's already shared that with them. That's a good point too. Sanctify them by the truth. How are we sanctified? What does sanctification mean? What does sanctify mean? Anyway. Say, so, huh? Set apart. Yeah, that's so meaning. This is to, to be sanctified is both. I mean, it's it's to become uh, become more like Christ. It's, that's, that's what we do. We, we are set apart to become more like Christ. When you're, when you're saved, you're, you're, you're saved, you're justified. You, you never will lose your salvation if you're saved. But we begin that, just, that sanctification process at that point. 
And that's what Jesus is praying. He says, you know, I've been, I've been with these guys for three years and I've been able to protect them by, through prayer and through, and I'm leaving. <laughs> to me, that would have been the scariest thing that I heard in all of this is that if I'm a disciple, if I'm Peter, I've signed on to this ministry that Jesus has for the last three years and he's leaving. How would that make you? I mean, that's, that is big. That is big. What's going through your mind as a disciple? <laughs> How can I get out of this? <laughs> you know, is, is, is it too late to, you know? Or, this is going to be huge. And so, maybe, maybe there's a little bit of both with all of them, but may, maybe they were thinking, this is going to be huge. But you know what? We've been with Jesus for three years. We believe He is who He says He is. And we've seen Him do some amazing things. And we know that He's connected to God Himself. He's, he is God Himself. They don't know all the ins and outs about that yet. But as they, as they learn, uh, they're, they're sitting there going, again, Freda said it, something big's about to happen. And Jesus, again, He says, sanctify them by the Word. Or by the truth. Your word is truth. And here verse 18. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. So what is the purpose of the disciples in this prayer? Right there. You see it in verse 18. Verse 18 says, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. What does that mean? You, it's the Great Commission. What the whole setup, in this section one, Jesus is thanking God and He's saying, okay, my part's completed on what I was supposed to do here on earth. This is, it's, it's almost completed. He hasn't gone to the cross yet, but He's, he's close. So that, this part is, he says in verse 4, I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. So Jesus is saying, my part's done. Let me pray for these guys because I'm about to leave. And they're going to need, they're gonna need these, this prayer. They're going to need God. They're going to need you to be able to protect them. They're going to need you to be able to sanctify them. They're gonna, because their purpose and, and what we're leaving him, them here to be able to do is to fulfill the Great Commission. How do we know that? We, well, we know that because Matthew chapter 28 tells us, at the end of Matthew chapter 28, tells us that it's, that's the Great Commission. That's what we're supposed to do as a church. But not only there, also in Acts chapter 1, tells us the same thing. Go into where? Go, in, go to, uh, to Judea. Go, or go to uh, uh, Jerusalem. Go, you know, it was go near, close, near, and far. That was that was what that that is. It's close, near, and far. I can't remember exactly how it was. I ought to quote it, huh? Jerusalem first. If you let's just since I've just destroyed that, let's just look at it real quick. <laughs> Acts chapter 
1, verse 7 says, He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times of periods, but the Father is set by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, or come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see what, when I said close, near, and far, that's what it means. It's close was Jerusalem. Judea and Samaria was like the out, outskirts of Jerusalem. That was, so close for us would be what? Phil Campbell. That, that, would, be, that would be our close. And, and, and near for us would be what? Maybe Russellville and Muscle Shoals and, and uh, all the way to Tuscaloosa, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> Brother, Ralph, Brother Ralph used to, when we, <laughs> when we went to doing the service on the internet, Brother Ralph would always, well, before when we had the tapes, he would, he would get those tapes all over the place. You know, he was going close, near, and far with those tapes. And, uh, but his, his question was, when we started putting the service on the Internet, he, he asked if, if they could get that in Tuscaloosa. And would it go all the way to Tuscaloosa? And uh, so it, it goes all the way to Tuscaloosa, Brother Ralph. It sure does. Uh, but listen, that's close, near, and far. Far is to the ends of the earth. That's, that's, that's our purpose that was the disciples' purpose, and guess what? That's going to be our purpose, or that is our purpose now. Verse 19, the last verse in section 2, I sanctify myself for them so that they also may be sanctified by what? The truth. Anytime that you're sanctified, you know what you're sanctified by? <laughs> the truth. The Word of God. That's how we're sanctified. Number three, Jesus prays for all believers and the purpose of the church. Anybody want to guess what that is? <laughs> unity, which is what he's been praying for already. Unity and the Great Commission. Those two things, that's what he prayed for. Number three, Jesus prays for all believers and the purpose of the church, verse 20 through 26. He says, I do not pray for these, but also, uh, not only pray for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. There you are. <laughs> that, that's, that's where I am, because I, I might not have believed through their word in, in an immediate sense, but what book are we in? <laughs> We're in the Gospel of John, right? He was one of these guys. So when, when, we read, when we read the Gospels, and I believe even Paul's epistles and, the, and, 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 uh, and others, man, we're, this, this is talking about me. It says, but for also for those who believe in me through their word, Jesus is praying for us. May they all be what? One. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe you sent me. You see, there was a reason that we're supposed to be one. There's a reason that we're supposed to be unified and not fighting with each other. It's so that the world may believe that God 
the Father sent God the Son to the earth to die on a cross so that the world could be saved. Verse 22, I've given them the glory you, gave, you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be completely one that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me because you love me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you and they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me that have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. So that's Jesus' that's Jesus' prayer. I, I copied down here so, so we would be able to have this. Um, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through 22, but, but before, we, before we get to that section, uh, verse 26. Verse 26 is, again, is what our commission is. That's, that's what we are to do. Verse 26 says, I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known. That's the ongoing spreading of the gospel, is what, what that is. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through 22 says, So then, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised, by those called, uh, by those called the uncircumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Now this is, Paul is talking to Gentile people at this point. So he's telling them, he says, look, you've been outsiders your whole life. But now, you don't have to be outsiders anymore. But now, you don't have to, and there were people, there were Gentiles that, that converted over into Judaism, that they became Jewish. They, you know, there was a conversion. And you know what they had to do to be converted? They had to follow all the rules. They had to, and that was, that, was, that was everything from circumcision to the foods that you could and you couldn't eat and, and uh, the Day of Atonement, they, the sacrifices, everything. You had to do everything. But Paul says here, that's no more. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away, you know who that is? That's me. <laughs> I was far away. In other words, I was a, I'm a Gentile. I don't think I have. I've, I've, got, this, I've got this DNA thing that I, I've been wanting to send. I bought it and just haven't sent it because there's been so much trouble with it. And I've batted back and forth whether I wanted to send it or not. But as far as I know, I don't have any Jewish blood in me. And I don't know if anybody in here does. Anybody in here Jewish? Any little bit of Jew, Jewish. No, all of you, 
So all of everybody in here was afar off. <laughs> That's who you were. You were, he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by what? By the blood of Christ. Not by because, because I go to church. You were not brought near because you were a good person and you and you picked up a hitchhiker and carried them to town when they didn't have a ride. You were not brought near because you gave money to Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong. Now all those things are fine. All of them, some of them really good. But that's not what brought you near. We were brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14 says, For He is our peace, who made both groups one. It's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. For He is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. Anybody remember that? Remember what happened there in the, in the temple? That's what he's referring to. Is that and a really a it's, he may be using it as a metaphor too, but the temple, the the veil that the that the the priest had to walk through to get to the holy of holies was torn in two when he was crucified, and that is a symbol of this being torn down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh. He made no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. You see how you see all of this, even, even in, in Ephesians, where Paul is talking about. He says we've been we've been divided for thousands of years. He says Jesus came and He made it possible to put everybody as one. We have the uh, we have the privilege of being able to live as, as one. We, we, we were far off. We were, we were nowhere even close. We, we had no, we'd have no chance if Jesus had not have come. Verse 18. For through Him, we both, who is both? Jews and Gentiles. We both have access in one Spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus Himself as the cornerstone. In Him, the whole building being put together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. Paul 
that almost, well, at least the last part of Ephesians chapter 2, Paul talked about unity. Jesus prayed for unity. Now, I'm going to close with this. I, Brother Sammy may want to say something about this too because we were, <laughs> we were discussing this. We, we've talked quite a bit since, since I've been able to be back. And uh, that's been a blessing because I don't get to talk to him when I'm gone and when, I, when I'm pastoring somewhere. But uh, I, we've been able to talk some. And <clears throat> being unified does not mean that everybody has to believe exactly the way I do. And I don't have to believe the way everybody else. Being unified is, is uh, we have the same common goal, and that's the Great Commission. To me, that's, that's what being unified. We do whatever, whatever we have to do uh, to spread the gospel. Um, our Sunday school. It's, it's done for sanctification for us to be able to, to, uh, to grow in knowledge, but it's also done to, for, the great, for the Great Commission. Um, anything, any outreach that we do, it's done for the Great Commission. When we go on mission trips, it's to spread the gospel. It's about the Great Commission. You walk out there and look at the sign by the church. What is it? What's that sign say? Anybody know? It's a Great Commission Church, right? I mean, so so when when we are one, we're we're to be we're to we're not to fight with each other tooth and nail about all this, but we're to we're to have one common goal. We're to be one, and we're to spread the gospel. That's who we are as a church, and. Jesus could have prayed about, <laughs> he could have prayed about so many things. Lord, these, these people are going to, you know, they're going to face this and this situation is going to come up. And, but he just prayed for them to be one and for the gospel to be spread. Amen, Brother Sammy. Anything? <clears throat>